Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm here to help with that. And we are... SP Film Viewers. So this episode might be the one that you most dislike this month for the... The film that we're covering. I love how you laugh and smile and you're like, hee hee hee. <laughs> yeah. well, Don't be so happy with yourself. But the, the, the silver lining to this is that we have other people to help break down what the film has to offer. We've got a guest. And guests. Guests, yeah. Oh, we've got more than one? Yeah, yeah. Are they a, a mixture or are they both male? Male and female. Yes. So you get another female perspective on it. Yes. It's not going to be like The Room. Exactly, I feel like I've been a bit, you know... Overshadowed. Yeah, just feel like it's been a bit men-orientated lately with our guests, so glad to have a female on board. And the film that we're going to be talking about is The Voices, Ryan Reynolds-led film from 2014. (laughs) So I think what happened was we started watching it on... I don't know what some. I remember we were at your house, your mum and dad's. Yeah, that's how long ago it was. You lived there, and (laughs) yeah, funny that, isn't it? (laughs) We were both sat on computer chairs because you were just telling in your room. We weren't even like a sofa. Yeah, really uncomfortable. I. He was really gentlemanlike. He never gave me like your actual gaming chair. He gave (laughs) me this little blue computer chair that you know used to get at school. Mm -hmm. That was so uncomfortable. And you get a numb bottom. And we sat and put voices on. And I was like, oh, Ryan Reynolds. I really like Ryan Reynolds. Great. You know, should be good. It's to do with pets and animals. Like, it's going to be light-hearted. I guess you could say it is. It went... I remember it going down quite a sinister route. And I mean, being like, what the actual hell am I yeah. watching? I'm like, At that point, you were like, no, I'm out. And I'm surprised I actually said that to you. Because normally I, I don't kind of say I'm out. I'm... Try and give it. Yeah, and now if I know something's probably not going to be, except like, if it's for review purposes, yeah. then, if, but if I know if it's something, that, yeah, like, it's going to be really bloody mess and it's just, like, just really twisted or something, it's like, and it's, I won't even bother saying to Seth, let's sit down and watch this <laughs> this evening, I'll just watch it in my own yeah, time. Bless you. Thank you, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So, um, it's been a while since I've seen it, to be fair. Did you actually finish it? I did finish it. Did you? I, I don't remember much from it but I'm sure I'll pit, rip, be like oh yeah it's coming back to me as we something watching. to do with a deer is popping up in my head I think that's where and he, it, I don't know if he runs over it with a car and I think it was at that point where I went no I think it was a bit more sinister than that I think it was but... like a person or something he was actually more I remember him saying like, I'm sorry but then he continued on hacking or was it Ryan stuff. that was hacking him yeah, them yeah whoever they were I don't know I just know, I remember going, no. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. It'd be funny if, with our review, mm-hmm. if they both love it, or if it's that female has a different re- kind of mm-hmm. intake on it. Yeah. I don't know. I remember this being a long time ago, and I didn't value yeah. it then. I don't know if 
I'm going to have much of a change of heart. Yeah, so it'd be make for inter- interesting conversation anyway. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. So, uh, four-way perspective on things. So, we'll be back with our thoughts and our guests to talk about the voices. Do you believe in God? Mm. Me too. And I totally think that he has it out for me. Gibbs cuts everyone off slack and then totally craps all over me and I want to know why. why. Why would he put a little boy in a home with a father like that? Make my mother lose herself so completely that she'd rather die than be with me. But if he is all-knowing, then God must be okay with me killing people. Mm. Mm. Ah, shrink, who wants to talk? Mm. Good, if I untape you, we're going to get on the fast road to mental health, okay? Hey, you start doing the silent shrink thing and I can't predict what I'll do. And we're back after watching the voices. And we've got two other voices joining us <laughs> to discuss this movie. So I'd like to welcome Nico and Chris from the Good, the Bad and the Weird podcast. Hello, Woo! guys. Hi, thank Hello. you for having us on. Apologize for any noise in the background. My AC just popped on. Oh, that's okay. The nicest day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> No problem, no problem. But uh, yeah, I know it's very early for you guys, so really appreciate you jumping on the call. Oh yeah, thank you for having us. Not a problem. So before we get into things, just do you want to give uh, people a bit of a background of what uh, your podcast is and what you guys do? Yeah, I'm Nico. And I'm Chris. And we're the, we're the Good, the Bad, and the Weird podcast, like you said. Uh, we do deep dives into movies. Uh, Generally, our episodes are about as long as the movie, but we do scene by scene and Mm -hmm. try and add as much information as we can. Just do a wide range of things. It's generally something, whatever sounds good or interests us at the time. So Nico usually does a lot more research into the actual history and making of the film, whereas I am very familiar and trying to research on the pop culture and impact on the film itself. If any, <laughs> yeah, no, I've listened to like some of the episodes, and yeah, you do go quite in depth with how you research. I'm quite like jealous of how much work you actually put into everything with it. So uh, yeah, uh, I try and do that now and again with the house, but it's more just more what Sophie thinks of uh, the, yeah. the film. And there's yeah. no research in what Sophie thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes those are the better ones when yeah. we don't have anything to research. Definitely, yeah. but like we we originally like watched movies as friends together like we'd have a whole group and like nico and i would spend the entire time watching the movie googling and researching the movie and then like just absolutely ranting to each other about the movie and our friends were like we don't need to be here anymore (laughs) (laughs) amazing so let's get straight into it do you have any facts or trivia about this film before we actually i do so i i did watch the special features on this one yeah this is actually like my third or fourth time watching mm-hmm. the voices, so I'm, I'm I've been a little bit familiar with, it, and I was excited you guys you uh, suggested it because I mm-hmm. haven't thought about it in a bit. But yeah, so actually the writer took consultants from the Silence of the Lambs while he was working on some other crime show and asked them how to explain how they catch a serial killer, and basically they explained is they the the thought of their their idea of the thought process of a serial killer is the serial killer lives within a movie. And so they try and figure out what movie that serial killer is watching. And so he's like, I want to see what that is as a movie. 
And so that's where the basic plot of The Voices came from. And the writer, Michael Perry, we know him here pretty well from his TV shows of like Law & Order SVU, House MD, NYPD Blue. Like he has a bunch of those sorts of crime related shows. And only like really two movies, the other one being Paranormal Activity. So like a perfect writer for this sort of like horror, but also like a psychological element and like doing the flip of like where perspective comes into play. Mm -hmm. Also, it's uh, the director, Maureen uh, Strapi's first English language film and the first script that she didn't write herself. Uh, The only other movie I know her from is uh, Persepolis and it's, I only know it from the cover itself. I've never actually watched the movie, but it's a yeah, yeah. I think I know, I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the cover. It's the, the black and white like illustration one. Is that, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a graphic novelist, and like her work is really pretty. A lot of it deals with her background as a French Iranian, and I haven't watched. I haven't read a whole bunch of them, but I am familiar with the one that the person. <laughs> I can't ever say it. But the one that you watched, I, I've gotten a little bit into it, and I really enjoy her stuff. And you can see, it, especially in the credits, all of that sort of art style is very reminiscent of her okay. work. And like now that I've seen this movie, I'm really interested in like digging more into her works because like I only really know her from that one, and also like a few of her children's books. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, definitely want to check out more of uh, her writing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't. I had no clue about that. I. I, I did a little bit of research and it was only the special features of the movie. So. Yeah, I think there wasn't what on the the disc I've got to watch it. There was there wasn't that many special features. It didn't seem other than like just showed like a bit of um, Ryan Reynolds doing the the voices of the animals. Yeah. <laughs> in 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 the film, so it's like okay, yeah, because it was like I'm not. Is that, I'm pretty sure he, it's his voice putting on like he's putting on a Scottish accent. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's Bobco, Mr. Whiskers. I think he actually he has one other voice in the movie somewhere. So he did an interview that I found because I was doing some Googling just to like get caught back up with Ryan Reynolds because like I like Ryan Reynolds, but he's definitely not one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. And so like I only really recognize him as Deadpool. <laughs> like that's like my number one. Like that's Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. Got Dead, it. Yeah, he is. He is Deadpool essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's perfect for that role. He is. Yeah. And so like he's got a he's got this interview where he talked about how like some of his favorite works and like this movie is one of his favorites and he's kind of like sad no one's really into it and he's like yeah my audition tape for it was me doing all of the voices for this guy in his head so i guess like pretty much every voice that isn't like another person that's him because sophie was like ryan what are you doing in this film well what what's happened is me and paul have we've progressed as we've we've started as a couple so I remember Ryan Reynolds, the early Ryan Reynolds, like in the proposal, like in chick flick kind of films. That's where I would originate him firstly from at a younger age. And I used to love the proposal. I picked up the voices being a naive 20 year old, looked at it and thought, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds. There's some cats and dogs on the front. This looks really friendly. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit deceiving if you don't actually read the back of it. Me and Paul yes. were, at, okay. were at your parents, weren't mm-hmm. we? And I think I got into 30 minutes of this film. And I was like, no, I'm not watching anymore. I can't, I can't carry on. And I think it got to a point of where the deer had gone into the car yeah, and he'd killed the collision and by then... accident Fiona. Yeah. And it was very gory for my little head yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point. You were like, no, I can't. Wow. <laughs> so that was the cutoff point for Sophie. And it's like, oh, I'll, I'll watch it in my own time. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't, 
I said to you after the fact that I don't think you might not appreciated it back then anyway. No, like, not it's where it went. <laughs> just went a bit more. Saying, I would not have valued more it. More darker, but yeah. But yeah. luckily we actually watched it and we got all the way through this, this time, time, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, so yeah. that's good. Yeah. Well, and I know which poster you're talking about because I was actually looking at the posters. Like, you know, I do the Tuesday poster posts. I know exactly because the UK poster is drastically different than yes. the American poster. It looks a lot more family friendly. The American poster, he's holding a saw and there's like a blood trail behind yeah, yeah. him. So it's yeah, it's way different. But at the same time, like it's he's in a he's in the pink like jumpsuit from work in the American poster. So like it's still like if you're not paying attention, like I had to multiple times like shoot my roommate who's not in like she doesn't do gore, <laughs> she doesn't do blood, and she saw Ryan Reynolds as she was like walking past our living room, and I was like, nope, 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 keep walking, keep going. <laughs> this one's not for you. I feel like I needed that really for me the first time uh-huh. because literally it does. It does look like a quite a comedy kind of film when you look at the cover, and yeah. I didn't read the back. I'll be honest. Yeah. Was the, <laughs> I think it's the one with like a blue background. Is it? I'm presuming when it's like a close up with Ryan's mm-hmm. face, and then it's the the cat and the dog like side by side, yeah. and the other two girls. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, that one. It does look yeah. more like a <laughs> nicer one. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I, yeah. I need the American version for me to have known what I was getting into, <laughs> like being more obvious and blatant with it. I don't know why ours is so friendly. Some yeah, some of the UK posters. Um, <laughs> well, that probably comes from like the censorship you guys have over there. Um, you, your guys' censorship lasted way later than ours did, and it's still kind of going. There's there's stuff that you can't show on covers and stuff. So there's there, there's a little bit more to. I don't know the whole ins and outs. I just know a little bit about like the video nasties of like the seventies and eighties. I get what you mean. Yeah, because I like I know you well, you know. Nico, like my uh, physical media collection and stuff, like how I look at some of these sites and it's like, look at how, like the American, like Vinegar Syndrome or whatever, kind of like have these weird fantastical covers of like how they can put such gory detail on a mm-hmm. thing in the States. But if they should put that in a shop over here or something or online, like people would just be like, no, not interested. <laughs> it's too graphic yeah. for the UK for whatever reason. Well, and even on the U.S. side, we do have that, too. Uh, when I first moved back to the States after high school, Bring Me the Horizon had just come out with their Suicide Seasons album. It's got the guts on the cover. Yeah. Hot topic. The um, sticker was up at the top corner at Target and Walmart. Like, sticker was over the guts. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I feel like a lot of American horror, especially, like, 90s, 2000s was very gore-based anyway. So, like... Mm-hmm when you went to a horror film here, you weren't expecting like jump scare or even just like psychological horror. You were expecting to see like someone's head be removed yeah. and like guts everywhere. The Saw posters, for example, with yeah. dismembered parts and stuff. Saw was definitely like the poster child for horror here for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that that's how I got into the voices too, is like I was just scrolling through Netflix or Amazon one day and I'm like, what is this with Ryan Reynolds? So I popped it on and I had no clue what I was getting into from the get-go, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what I watch anyways, but... I'm kind of sad that it didn't have a bigger appearance around here because, like, this is, like, right up me and my horror friends, like, genre. We love this sort of stuff where it's, like, it's kind of funny. It's got, like, the dark humor. Mm-hmm. It's gory, but it's not, like, too in-depth. It's just that right level of, like, oh, that's gross. Well, it's 2014, so... I was in college, so I wasn't really paying attention to stuff that was coming out new at the time. So yeah, that's true. But also, I think here it had a really re- limited release, so uh, we yeah. didn't we didn't get it hit in movie theaters. That explains it. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a sleeper. 
under the radar one, I guess. For I can't really think how I. How, I think it was Netflix it was just... or something, wasn't it? On streaming service, yeah, we must found have been. it. Yeah, because I'm sure we were just flicking through, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, Ryan so Reynolds," yeah. being naive yeah. and sucked into that <laughs> little pothole, yeah. thinking everything he does is nice and fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> this is completely the opposite, isn't it? Really, yeah. which doesn't he's, mean it's a bad thing. No, but he's, he has got his obviously his, his tendencies of Ryan Reynoldsism. He is I guess. him, isn't yeah. he? I think that's yeah. the thing with yeah. Ryan Reynolds: is there much acting you know what involved? You're from... <laughs> He is himself. Well, and to an extent, too, like, um, Anna Kendrick for me, too, is the same way. When I see a movie with Anna Kendrick, it's it's Anna Kendrick. I don't think I've seen too much of her where, like, she's got diverse roles. Yeah. The the only one that I will say that Chris and I are familiar with that is quite diverse from what we've seen, it's uh, Gemma Adderson. Oh, yeah. We know her from Tamia or tamina and the prince of persia mm-hmm. and she's also gretel and hansel and gretel witch hunters Mwah, my favorite movie so <laughs> okay. quite a different range from what we're used to all with the other group so yeah yeah i say Gemma arterton yeah she's uk based and it's normally she's like in the, the british film she's she plays a good thing i think she seems like a bit of a odd choice for the film i think really especially when when she's obviously more when I think when she's on the severed head <laughs> talking yeah. to her and she comes out with all these things like God save the queen and all that it's like okay right what, do, what who's shoehorning in yeah. that she's British yeah, basically she's, yeah. yeah cool blimey yeah. Oh, that, that makes sense because it's all from uh, uh Jer- Jerry's point of view so that's his perception yeah. of what an English person is yeah I guess yeah. like she doesn't exist anymore it's all in his head and I love that he's given his dog and cat like these just very like they're such different personalities, almost like devil and angel on shoulder sort of mm-hmm. personalities. Yeah, and then absolutely. by the end of the film, even the dog's like, nah, this, this is you're a terrible person. <laughs> Change my opinion. I'd kind of forgotten like how the film went on, like how with obviously like more delve into like the psychological mm-hmm. side of his trauma, I guess, from his his past of why he is the way he is kind of. Yeah, I kind of glossed over that a little bit with when going back into this, but so it's kind of interesting in that sense to to rekindle that like understanding. Yeah, well, I and that's the same thing that happened with me too because it's probably been about three or four years since I watched it last, and so like it is a part that is easily glossed over. And I think part of it is because partially I think it's the least interesting portion of the movie. Like it's good to know the background, but from like a film standpoint it's the blandest portion of the movie whereas the rest of the movie is so stylized with what it is i think and it doesn't impact as much as when he comes off his meds and you see his shit in trash yeah, room yeah, yeah. apartment yeah yeah it's a good way of showing that as well because in his head he's like when he's off the medication everything's looking more pristine and stuff but when he is actually on the things that are supposed to be helping him he's he's in a dismal well, that's, yeah, a, it's like reality, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and then a dream world, world, basically. That's like the yeah. two states of mind that he's mm-hmm. he's got. Yeah. And he'd rather be in that kind of dream state. Yeah. And to be fair, I understand. I'd want my animals to talk to me. Like, even if I had Mr. Whiskers and he was being a right ass, I, I would like them to speak to me. Also, when he goes, food, food, I don't have thumbs. It is quite comical with how it's delivered, even though he is like a horrible cat. Mm-hmm. Even, but what I think is really clever is the way the cat looks and the way that they've kind of filmed the cat to do those faces, and he looks like he's actually looking down at you most of the time. Like a cat would, kind of just looking around mm-hmm. as if like he's he's not quite 
there you know like as in like a cat would behave i suppose it's not like directly like looking at him mm. kind of thing so it's, it's natural ish like ryan is beneath yeah. him <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so how, how they're able to do that uh they actually cgi'd the entire from the neck up of the animals so that that's and that's why i still think like even though it's aged a little bit the voice movements yeah. they're still not bad because part a part of that too is they also base the mouth movement and the expressions based off of what ryan reynolds was doing during the recording mm-hmm. so it's, it's a little bit more technical and i i only had thought that they had done the mouths i didn't realize that they had done from the neck up everything but i'm glad that they did because there's a lot of times where the cat just has like the like help like the airplane anger ears where <laughs> yeah. when he's like talking about how like you should murder someone and he's like they've really like nailed that uh i'm going to attack <laughs> yes. yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's like with the obviously like the cat talking and stuff and so he mentioned like, say feed me kind of thing like it, with actually our, our own animals and it's like wonder what like kind of voices they we could actually like put to them like how would they sound if we were hearing them as 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 like ryan is technically doing that i don't know it'd be interesting to know like what kind of oh no so when i was re-watching this i'm like this is exactly how i expect my animals to or my cats to talk to me yeah definitely <laughs> so the other the other going back to like the style of the movie too that i thought was interesting is a um, big part at least when we were in college in our graphic design portion of our architecture program, their big thing was uh, having one accent color throughout your entire project or throughout whatever portion of the project it was on. The stupid color motif. Yeah, so like that would have been like everything would have been black or white minus that one color. And the what, the interesting aspect of this movie too is when it's in the dream state, it's always just a little bit uh, oversaturated and a little bit uh, too uh, overexposed which I think no- normally is kind of a pain in the butt if it's not done properly. But this this movie does that properly. It uses it as to help portray that dreamscape compared to the sharper reality of everything else. Well, and also, like, the reality all seems under... Like, there, like I don't think at any point in this film is it, like, a standard level of saturation or color or even, like, tone. Because when he's in that, like, dream sequence, everything's, like, hyper bright, mm-hmm. hyper clean... And then, like, when they're trying to show the real world, everything's, like, very dark and underdeveloped. And even the colors feel like there's a filter over them. Mm-hmm. So, like, there doesn't seem to be any, like, point of view from this film of, like, a standard. Everything's either very good or very bad, which is a really great way of showing, like, that bipolar nature that he's going through. Mm-hmm. Well, and on top of that, the only the only time we really see reality as it probably is, is when he's off his meds for that, like, five minutes of the yeah. movie everything else is a dreamscape yeah Yeah, exactly and like because he's off his meds in his apartment with trash bags to the ceiling full of dead bodies like doesn't paint a great picture yeah exactly which yeah actually that's a good point too because the what when he uh when he kills uh gemma's character uh fiona it's very Sleeping Beauty esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said he that. Said I that. noticed that when it goes into the woods and almost like a fairy tale. Like, oh, she's. I think there's like the, there's like an angel and devil motif. Obviously, throughout the film, I think that's this part of the obviously like you know the good and the evil on the shoulders. Like you said about the cat and the dog being his two conscience basically. Yeah. Um. There's. I think there's there's definitely a motif with that and the the whole like Sleeping Beauty and so like a fallen angel 
kind of thing in the forest. So obviously when he goes to, to see her in the forest and it's almost, oh, it's like really pretty and stuff. But in reality, obviously with that filter on, it's probably a lot more grotesque because there's hardly any cuts or... Mm-hmm. She's healed it's, somehow magically miraculously healed, no and blood there's no blood, thing, yeah. <laughs> thing, but when she... Well, and then something that I thought was really interesting that I'm kind of glad they didn't show because it leaves a lot to the imagination is when they're doing that police report later on in the film after she's been killed, they're like, oh, we found a stabbed woman in the woods. And in his mind, he took like her whole body, mm. right? And mm-hmm. like took her apart in his apartment. But, like, they must have found enough to know that, like, this is a very decomposed, stabbed woman. Like, un- like there's mm-hmm. more than, like, just, like, a little bit, like, her shoe, like, in the film is shown. Yeah. So, like, this kind of begs the question, because, like, we were watching this, and my husband, who's in vet med, he was, like, commenting, he's like, this feels like the wrong amount of tubawares <laughs> to hold one human. Yeah, I thought, yeah. yeah. And, like, at first I was like, yeah, it's way too few Tupperwares. And then when they show, like, the real world and, like, there's boxes stacked to the ceiling, like, they show one corner and my husband's like, yeah, that's the correct number of boxes. And then they pan over and there's more boxes. And my husband goes, that's now too many boxes. Yeah, Yeah, well, and I also think it's interesting, too, because he definitely is a serial killer by, by the end of the movie, but it 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 ties heavily into like the 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 idea that they first with serial killers like their first murder is always an is usually an accident yeah like normally they take things a little bit too far they don't mean to kill but it's too late they've already done it yeah so that that's really how this movie falls as well and i i do like that they that they uh how how reasonable bot or uh mr whiskers actually really is because despite him being a dickhead, he he's actually right a good chunk of the time. Is like he where he's like, I didn't mean to kill her. He's like, you still brought a knife. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Really valid. Because <laughs> like you would put the knife down, wouldn't you, if you logically weren't thinking? But obviously, he's in that state of mind where he's like, she's running away. I'm not thinking about yeah. putting a knife or dropping anything I've got in my hand. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to run after her. Mm-hmm. And I think this time rewatching it, that didn't seem to kind of disturbed me as much as it did my younger youth self and I think to be fair it was more I think what made me stop at that Mm -hmm. point was the sheer kind of coincidental oops I've just fallen I'm (laughs) sorry and then I keep stabbing you yeah yeah yeah. but actually I think it was more like a remorse regret and I think the further you go along psychologically with him it makes sense why he was repeatedly stabbing her he wanted Mm -hmm. to free the deer as as well kind of trying to stop anyone's suffering and i think that's where his head head was he did ask her are you suffering it's like yeah she's like yeah and it all and kind like, of comes yeah. back so he's trying to do good but it's yeah at the same time it starts off as mercy killing and then it leads into him having to cover it up yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah they they definitely did a really good job of making a serial killer relatable and likable which mm-hmm. is a very difficult thing to do yeah, no, definitely, because he is he is likable, and everyone does seem to kind of get drawn to him. And sadly, I think a little bit people feel sorry for him as as well. Like within his workplace, you can kind of see that he is a little bit of an oddball, and he stands out. Mm-hmm. But people see it as more like an innocence t- towards mm-hmm. him, more like childlike yeah. presence. Almost endearing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and because like if we look at it, like his mental state, he is very much a child throughout most of the movie. He is, and I think his pets are his parents a little bit as well, as as you can kind of see the flashback towards it. I mm-hmm. feel like the cat is more his dad, <laughs> and the the dog is his his mum's representation of kind of 
not doing much and just saying, oh, you're a good boy, kind of patting him on the, on the head. And yeah. because he hasn't had that great upbringing, I think he's stayed in that childlike state a little bit. Yeah, and pets are normally a thing for, for people for like a source of comfort, you know, come home mm. and it's like, oh, they're there to greet you all the time, aren't they, really? So they're kind of, for your mental well-being, they're normally quite good for you. But in this case, it's kind of like, I'd say, like it's the angel and the devil on your shoulder, really, mm-hmm. for him to, to kind of like make him feel good or like just talk it out amongst him, himself with these two animals. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, I, I like that you brought it up that how they treat him in the uh, factory as well, because there's one scene where he's talking to the boss and they're like, well, he hasn't shown up and, or get or uh, Fiona hasn't been. She's not answering her phone. She's not showing up. And then he makes the offhand comment of like, maybe she went back to England or she's definitely not yeah. dead. And that that's that that there's a couple serial killers. And I couldn't remember the there was one who would make uh, murder jokes. I think it might have been the Green River guy. But uh, I know specifically with like Ed Kemper, mm-hmm. um, he he hung out with the cops and he'd make jokes and they're like, oh, that's just Ed's sense of humor. And it's like, you know, <laughs> you're not wrong for some people. Yeah. But others, the, the guy who's the one who's supposed to be on medication, he's the one making these jokes. So maybe look into him a little more. At least make sure he's doing OK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, actually, that's a good point, because. The, the psychiatrist in this movie, yes. though. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of her? <sighs> I mean, she kind of almost seemed a bit unbalanced as well, I guess, in a sense. She kind of... In, initially, she was kind of on board, like, just going through the motions with him, like, just saying, oh, like, here we go again. Just you know, just listen to her, tick off the things, just asking the questions. Nothing's really changing and stuff. Mm. And then she kind of... Then, as as I guess, as a normal reaction would be to try and like, oh, I've got to call the police about like you've just literally just admitted that you've killed three people, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know it, what Ryan was actually hearing though. I don't know if he was making up some of the stuff that she was saying. In in my mm-hmm. like, even though he, she is actually that, I don't, was she actually there, or was it in his head, or was it what when somebody's talking, you interpretate it differently. Well, so was, we're hearing she, there his aspect of her speaking. She was there because obviously, like the the the, the policeman and the yeah the ambulance people took but her in. What but, she's saying is Ryan maybe, actually interpreting yeah. it we don't, that we in don't his really own know way? Cause it's, yeah, because there's certain things she's like, "Oh, just take your meds," and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take my meds." And then because um, we don't want you getting locked away, and I think that is more Ryan subconscious within him because he knows his mum was off the medication and then she was going to go to like a psychiatric ward mm-hmm. and she didn't want to to go so I don't know if that's more like within his actual fine filter of being on that stage and he level of going into that kind of place I don't know yeah possibly yeah it's an yeah. idea <laughs> for me I liked her at first. Like, I, I, I don't... When I first watched it, I don't think I really latched onto her at, as uh, initially, but rewatching it, just... I'm glad, Sophie, you brought up that he, his viewpoint, like, everything she's saying could be from him, because I didn't think of it that way. I was just thinking, oh, she's an inept doctor. But maybe she's not. Maybe... Okay, so I actually know a bit about this. Okay. <laughs> so the reason she feels wrong is because she is not a therapist a therapist, and she is not a psychiatrist that he chose. This is a state-appointed mm. person. So, like, 
in theory, he has already been to a detention center probably in his youth for like mm-hmm. killing his mom. Yeah. And the state has been like, okay, while you were in the detention center, you had someone, we diagnosed you. Now you need to check in with this person instead of like seeing it like him choosing to go to her for his own health and like well-being. This is someone he is forced to go check in with kind of like if you were on parole. Like this is like his mental oh. health parole officer. And part of the reason why she feels weird is because she seems like she's doing a good job, but at no point does she like really seem to be taking an extra step with him. Like she always sits behind her desk, which is like in therapy, that's kind of like a frowned upon thing. Like that's really putting a big barrier between you and your patient. She is, she's like doing the checklist in front of him. Like he can see it again. You don't really want your patient to like be reading what the correct answer should be (laughs) to like not be on your meds and not go back to jail. So like, while she's not terrible, she also isn't, like, helping the situation ever. She's just, like, giving him the tools to realize, like, how to not get caught. Okay, that that's why, then. She comes across kind of like um psychiatrist or therapist from uh, Walking Phoenix's Joker. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's the exact same sort of situation where, like, this isn't someone that, like, they're picking to, like, help themselves and, like, get back into society. This is someone that he's been, like, scheduled with and is not allowed to not go see it's a checklist that he has to follow through exactly and like he knows that because they have literally told him like hey when we release you you need to talk to this person like however often like probably like once a week or it seems like in the movie and like you need to be on your meds and if she says you're doing great then we will let you continue to live in that shitty apartment above the bowling alley Mm. and if she says that you're not doing great you get to come back here So, like, he knows that. It's, like, from the beginning of the movie. Okay. And part of the reason why it's not, like, overly stated to the audience is because I think they're trying really hard to, like, give you a favorable impression of him. So, like, doing, like, very much, like, an Ed Kemper sort of situation where, like, looking back on it now, like, it's hard to see, like, how people didn't notice him. But if it's Ryan Reynolds and he's so funny and, like, just a little odd and a little quirky, then, like, yeah, I get it. Like, I can see how, like, nobody noticed and only like one co-worker is like yeah that guy's freaking weird <laughs> okay going back to how like obviously like the the, the colorization of what the, the the film has to offer um i noticed obviously obviously for the factory the the fact that there's well the brown boxes and there's like the pink label and the pink jumpsuits and stuff there seems to be a motif as well that runs throughout the film because there's like that one scene where he's driving and there's the like two butterflies. There's one brown and one pink as well. So I don't know what that sort of represents in terms of like a color scheme for pink being like happy and brown being just mundane. I don't know. It's it's very similar shade of pink to what we call here prison pink, and like psycho researchers have found that like this specific shade of pink is supposed to help like lower anger. And like calm you out. Okay. So like it's called prison pink because for a while they were like trying to paint the inside of prisons this color to like help people not stab each other in prison. <laughs> yeah. uh, it didn't work super great, but like it worked enough to like coin the phrase and the term. And so now like this peptoe pink yeah. is kind of like associated with like, oh, this is supposed to be like a forced happy color. 
Is that why Pepto-Bismol is pink then? It is not. Pepto-Bismol is pink. <laughs> natural color, you wouldn't drink it. No, exactly. Well, yeah. it's a calming effect on your stomach. It calms everything. The Pepto's list of things it fixes is too long and I'm suspicious. Like men's shampoo. Yeah, I don't need a six in one. That's too many things. Ugh. <laughs> uh. But uh, I think because I, I, my focus normally isn't on color just because I don't see it properly most of the time. Yeah, I noticed. Um, <laughs> but for me, I think I think you're on to something when it's reflecting of the realities where he's kind of in both of them at the same time where he's able to see like, here's the mundane, but here's what I want the reality to be. Yeah. I also noticed that the butterflies... Like, there's only ever really two of them, and they always, like, seem to flutter around his head when he's thinking about this, like, fake love that he has. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think, like, it's kind of supposed to symbolize, like, him and her, like, dating in his head. Yeah, getting the butterflies. Yeah, and, yeah okay. I guess so, yeah. So, a, a little bit stupider, but... Oh, it's very dumb, but, like, <laughs> he definitely sees the world in, like, this very, like, basic level, like, comedy romance sort of way, as opposed to the reality of, like, she might not be into him. Yeah. yeah. Which... I was I was thinking about that a little bit the other day too of like the reality of what he wants and what's actually in front of him and I wonder if he had ignored Fiona and what is Anna Kendrick's character I'm bad with char character names Lisa she's not Twilight Lisa, uh, <laughs> 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 Lisa yeah the trolls <laughs> yeah probably from the trolls yeah yeah that's where I, I went. I, I wonder what would have happened if Lisa had been his love interest from the first or early on. I mean, you you can speculate. I wonder if she would have like helped him or gotten him back on track. But rule number one in dating from a woman: you can't fix him. He's always going to be a serial killer. True. Or help help him from the get go. He might not have been a serial. Well, no, no he's, he's already he, he already murdered his mom. B Bosco said he brought you brought the knife. Yeah, or and Mr. Whiskers said. Mr. Whiskers has proven, and on top of that, I am very suspicious of the number of egg cartons and pizza boxes in that apartment. Mm -hmm. Like, I know in his mind, he's only killed his mom and these three women. This does not seem correct. This the math is not mathing. Yeah, well, and also she does follow the uh, she she fails that other rule: never go to a second location, never get in a man's car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And and never like just barge and make yourself welcome in somebody else's home. You don't know what you're going into. Um, I yeah, think she that's... that's a downfall, really. Yeah, maybe a surprise to go and. He see was going to kill her, wasn't he? Because obviously Fiona wanted a friend, basically in the fridge. Mm -hmm. So he thought. Yeah. And he thought Lisa would be the next option, and obviously the date went exceptionally but, well. well. And better than he thought. He said, "Yeah." And he then kind of, I think it's more one of those when you know. A little bit more like a child romance where you fall in love with anyone who's nice to you. I think that's kind of what he is. And he doesn't really know what love actually truly is. Yeah. Truly is. But I feel like Lisa would have been good for him in a sense. He probably would have been stabilized for a little I bit think longer. A therapist would have been good for him. <laughs> <laughs> that too, yeah. I think all he wants is love. I think that's literally all yeah, he's craving much. is some affection mm -hmm. and love. No, definitely. And like you get to see that in the few flashbacks because like it's clear that he loved his mom, but like she didn't seem capable of loving him in the way that he needed. So like he's been love starved his whole life. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And he focuses on what he potentially perceives as the 
prettiest object in the room. Well, and also she's like the first one to like be nice to him. Cause mm-hmm. like in the board meeting, she's the only one like seeming to want to be there for this barbecue. All yeah. of the other guys and like people there are either bickering amongst themselves or clearly are not interested in like having a barbecue. She's the only other one who's like encouraging him in any way. And so like, it's kind of that like mindset where they talk about with like other serial killers were like, that's how they picked targets was like, oh, well, she even remotely looked at me. Thus, I'm infatuated. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of similarities between this character and, like, a bunch of serial killers, right? And so, like, I'm over here being like, oh, that that sort of, like, mindset was like this person. Or, like, oh, he chose to, like, keep all of her parts and tubwares that's kind of like this person. And my husband's Mm -hmm. like, shh, I can't hear the cat whisper. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not understand the logic of the containers? So, like, we run about, we've just finished watching um, Breaking Bad. It's like, there's acid, you know, you could literally just dispose of it in a really clever way. But obviously, it's Ryan Reynolds and it's not going for that. But at the same time, the logic of, A, how did he buy so many containers? Did he clear, like, out a supermarket with having to buy all the Tupperwares? And second of all, the effort of having to cut somebody up, it is quite horrific when you think about it but the way that it's done is somewhat comedized no that's not a word comical <laughs> yeah. yeah because like you can see her legs swinging off the counter and initially when you see that shot you think somebody's actually maybe sat there and crossing their legs that's what i thought initially not actually that he's hacking at somebody's or they're right. swinging their legs yeah yeah swinging their legs yeah. and i think that's probably how the pick how they've yeah, actually yeah. done it uh-huh it's also like that dark comedy of the movie that I, I can see why a lot of people wouldn't like this movie because it is grotesque for what it is, but it is also comedic at times too and not in the way people want it to be comedic. Yeah, and like you're right, like the logical thing would be like to get rid of the body so he doesn't get caught, but like this is kind of like an interesting look at like the idea of like trophies that mm. serial killers keep. Yes. And yeah. also goes back to like his like childlike mentality, like he doesn't know what to do with trash. Like, he clearly doesn't know how to, like, care for himself because, like, when it's not on his meds, like, there's cat puke everywhere. Like, he hasn't taken the trash out. He clearly hasn't cleaned this apartment ever a day in his life. All he eats pizza. Yeah, and so, like, I think when it's in his fantasy and he's, like, putting her in these nice little tubwares, it looks like a lot of tubwares. And then, like, the few glimpses you see where it's reality, it's, like, yeah, he used up all the Tupperwares he had on her, but also, like, he's shoved her into egg cartons that he's found in the trash and pizza boxes that he never just, threw out. Just anything, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to Shawshank Redemption it, go out to the woods every now and then and drop a little piece here, see, okay. drop a little piece over there. No, I see. That's, like, the logical thing, but it's very obvious that he's, like, very paranoid that someone's going to catch him. And so, like, in his mind, it's safer to keep it all close because then he knows where it all is. Like, mm. in his head, until the news article, he thinks he's picked up all of her. Yeah, and there's, I don't know, it does show, like, the intestines as well as, as, as well in that shot as well. Mm. It kind of goes, oh, there's your shoe, but also guts as well. What I don't, like, where he lives anyway in this abandoned, what seemingly abandoned bowling Pleasure. Yeah, I, I didn't. I keep forgetting it's a bowling alley until the end of the movie. I just, it's yeah. like a studio, or it's like it um, would have been the guy who owns the bowling alley would have originally lived there. Yeah, like it's a small town thing where like there's not apartment buildings, 
Like, if there is, there's, like, a single apartment building for the whole town, if you're lucky. It's like you see in old downtowns, um, like, how cities were developed is you worked, you lived above where you worked for the most part. Yeah, yeah and, like, it kind of, his home, this little town kind of reminds me of, like, kind of my neck of the woods, middle of nowhere, Midwestern sort of place, where, like, there, there's not really places to rent. Like, people own the house, or, like, maybe you live in... If there is a apartment building complex, maybe you live there. But a lot of times the the apartment building complex is just like the old people's home, but we don't call it that. It's just like all the old people live in the apartment building. So like some guy who's recently-ish kind of moved here, he's not got a lot of cash. He probably can't buy a house. Like I bet you anything, someone in town was like, I got a place you can live here. Mm. And like, it probably was a dump before he moved in and like, he just doesn't know how to care for himself or a place. And yeah, now he's just like the guy with the apartment above the abandoned bully alley. So I guess th- there isn't a place called Milton in the States, is there? It's a must be uh, a fictional There one. probably is, but okay. I don't know if it's based off of a real town. Yeah. It seems like a, a small, like, small industrial town. Bit like Milton, uh, town in Massachusetts. That feels right. Because, I mean, it's a, def- it's a big enough town to have karaoke bar and there's at least two bars and there's more than a few restaurants so like this is yeah chinese and everything yeah yeah so like yeah. in my neck of the woods this would be like a decent sized town mm-hmm. but like it would have been like a factory town like there's nothing to do yeah i just thought i'd ask the question because obviously it, there's like a little jingle at the start of the film as if like um maybe this is just like a, a fictional place where it's but it must be maybe based off somewhere perhaps but. i mean the idea is definitely very real and like the idea of like people coming to a town to work somewhere and mm-hmm. then like the factory slowly dying but they're stuck there that's very real yeah it's de- it's definitely small town usa because this sh- and i think the part that shows it the most is the sheriff mm-hmm. where the sheriff's like hey how you doing buddy that's uh you got a broken window there he's like yeah hit a deer and he's like, well, as long as you're doing good. Uh, the sheriff is even like, did you leave it? And he's worried that he's getting in trouble. And the sheriff's like, that's good meat. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Priorities, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the other thing, too. So I, we don't actually see what happens with the deer afterwards, either. No, we don't. Uh, I, I mean, he's probably right. He probably did leave it on the side of the road. Yeah. But on top of that, like, no, normally when you butcher something, you drain the blood because the blood's part of what causes the rot and, like, the internal organs go the quickest. Sure. And also, like, you don't really need to be carrying extra weight. And it's a lot easier to clean up blood in the woods than it is in your house. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do I do wonder if he's eating the Her? meat. Yeah. I mean, small town, yeah. I mean, probably. But, like, I don't know if he necessarily labeled which one's her and which one's deer yeah it's true because you mean in the tupperware containers but at the same time like he's such a child we see him like not really cooking for himself like he only really seems to cook cereal and he thinks that's fancy which very much is like a six-year-old kid to me like i'd like thing to do yeah yeah just yeah so like i i bet you anything like he probably isn't necessarily cannibalizing her i think he's just holding on to her because he doesn't know what to do with her like he's He's not like a serial killer that like think has this elaborate plot, like mm. how like we like to fantasize serial killers like being like these supervillains. Mm-hmm. This guy's yeah. just like he's not thinking that far ahead. <laughs> They're not as he's not as organized as like uh, uh, say the Green River Killer or yeah, um, 
Well, no, uh, Bundy wasn't that organized either. No, he's definitely more Gacy style, where it's, like, opportunistic. Oh, yeah, 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 That that's accurate. Part of my rewatch, I was uh, a little bit too focused on the refrigerator, because the contents <laughs> are constantly changing inside, minus one bottle of hot sauce that yes. is constantly in the same spot. That's accurate. <laughs> also, I love that he's got the old-style fridges, so, like, it has a door on the front of the front door, so that you could open that and yeah. get your milk and juice out. Yeah. But he chooses to open the whole door to see the heads every single time, even though he only yeah. ever yeah, grabs okay. orange juice yeah. or milk. Oh, mm-hmm. so there's other victim as well, though. Allison, who's the... I've forgotten what her kind of role in this that was. I thought, in my head, I thought she was the one who got killed first. But it was because of she kind of like seemed as if she was kind of listening into the, the conversations in the, uh, the office and everything. Yeah. But um, she's just kind of like a, just on by the wayside. She kind of just, just gets killed off and then that's that i think she puts two and two together doesn't she yeah. and the guys in the office kind of say oh have you not seen his background of what he's kind of done mm-hmm. and then i don't know why she goes on her own though that would be first class rule don't go and investigate take back up. yeah yeah take why don't you guys go with her <laughs> because i think at that point lisa definitely told her that hey i'm going on a date well and they definitely gossip to each other the whole mm-hmm. time they sit back to back like Half their day is probably talking about like who they like, what dates yeah. they're going to go on, who has a crush on who. I can see that. A uh, fun little bit I do have written down. That's played by Ella Smith. The only other movie I know her from is another murder true crime movie. <laughs> she's a background character in Burke and Hare. Oh, right. Okay. I've yes. seen, seen the film. Yeah, she's like the barmaid. Oh, okay, right. Okay. <laughs> and, but yeah, I and I think part, may, maybe, again, it's from... Uh, uh, jerry's point of view so mm-hmm. it's maybe he maybe she did come with someone else or no she probably did come alone but i think she came alone because like in her head she doesn't think she's a like confronting a dangerous serial killer because she's met him and again like he seems childlike he doesn't seem intimidating she seems like the sort of gal who feels like she can handle herself mm, yeah like it's very easy to forget that like you aren't necessarily going to withstand being stabbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's very heat of the moment, like, oh my gosh, I think I've solved the problem. I'm going to go see if they're there. I'm going to confront mm. him. Mm. As opposed to, like, oh, I have discovered a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes quite a bit more sense. Also, like, this is supposed to be set a little ways back. So, like, while the rules of engagement have definitely become well-known now, I think the time that this is mm-hmm. set, like... It's definitely known, like, about these sorts of, like, mindsets and, like, what not to do and, like, maybe just go ahead and call someone. Yeah, now that you bring that up, now that I'm thinking about it, this feels very 90s. You don't have, you don't even have flip phones, you don't... The fact that they haven't Googled all of their coworkers so far, (laughs) like, the fact that it took this long for someone with dirt, this, this insane to go through the office yeah this isn't like today's standards and in a small town too so everyone's aware of are you kidding we live in a big town with a giant office and the second anyone discovers anything remotely interesting about a coworker, the entire (laughs) office of almost like 300 plus people knows immediately but i think it it must be like early well it must be 2000 because fiona says like oh have you got an ipod or am I kind of link my iPod up to the for the speaker? So it's obviously in that. Yeah, and she has a phone. Generation. Generation. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like it's still definitely iPod era. Yeah. Not everyone has a cell phone. No, but like yeah. it. But we've definitely got Google well enough that like we could Google. It's mm-hmm. just not like our first instinct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, any other points to bring up? 
I did kind of want to bring up the ending of this movie because the ending is so abrupt in yeah. in a good way. Because like, I like how moderately vague it is. Uh huh. Like I I like like when he falls when he is because th- this is the other thing too. He clearly has escape routes. The more yeah, the mm-hmm. more we talk about it, he knew what he was doing. This man is suspicious. <laughs> but. Like, just the, when I first watch it, the way it ends with the whole musical bit is just... I love it. And I love that the choreography is something that clearly, like, he's made up in his head. Because there's, like, one actual dance bit. (laughs) And it's clearly them being like, Ryan Reynolds, you dance too well. Tone it down. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I I think it's just... There's a part in it, too, where right before that all breaks out, I think it's just him absolutely just losing all concept of reality because mm. right before that bosco and mr whiskers are like well it's goodbye buddy <laughs> yeah and like he doesn't need them anymore he doesn't need the comfort of the dog and the cat it's now just well and i like that they kind of gave him a reason to have this break because if you're a pet owner and you come home to your apartment and you can't find your pets yeah. like your first instinct is they run into the street they've been hit by a milk truck and like they are dead and my life is <laughs> over And, like, he comes back inside and, like, someone talks, like, one of the police officers is like, yeah, we found a cat and dog inside. So, like, he just didn't find them in his own apartment. And, like, that caused him to snap and was like, Mm. this is it. The world is done. I I don't care anymore. Like, my cat, my cat is missing, finally finds the cat, but my dog, my good side. Mm -hmm. In his, like, his, and, like, the cat's the one who tells him that he got hit by a truck. Like, of course he did. It's a cat. (laughs) Cats are evil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think how cl- the mo- I think the movie is actually rather cleverly written, and it th- I think that is the shame of it not being like so well done because there are other movies that have that viewpoint of the serial killer, like uh, the remake of Maniac with Elijah Wood or oh, the yeah. earlier like Peeping uh-huh. Tom. Like those movies don't portray that. It's it's a very straightforward portrayal mm-hmm. of a serial killer's mm-hmm. reality instead of honestly a fantasy movie that they've mm-hmm. created and they, they do it in such a stylized and clever manner it's well, a shame and i like that they went ahead and like really stylized it because like the topic of schizophrenia and mental illness is kind of a delicate one to like be touching on especially like tying it directly to a serial killer and like trying to say like he's a serial killer because of yeah. this which statistically is wrong mm-hmm. but because they've like stylized the hell out of it and like yeah, it's a main feature of it, but it's never, like, a, like, direct cause. Like, you could easily say, like, no, even if he wasn't, like, schizophrenic, he probably would still have been a murderer because, like, the empathy was what was making him a killer, mm-hmm. not his delusions. And so, like, because of all that, I think this movie will age a lot, like, is aging a lot better than some of the ones that try and, like, do this, like, psychological deep dive into trying to understand the crazy. It does make you wonder, though, if it's more like a trauma. Like, if his mother wasn't the way she was, would he have had a different life? Yeah, I think so. Like yeah. a different... that, That's always the question. Nature versus nurture. And so. I think that's why this movie does, like, such a good job is because, like, it really brings that question to forefront as opposed to, like, painting him as, like, this unrealistic, like, killing machine. Mm-hmm. This, like, horror film bad guy yeah and it's it's ryan reynolds so yeah (laughs) yeah no no but that's it like they talk about like how all of like in the 70s they're like oh well he was handsome so people would help him and like get like get in his car because he was handsome and like i never saw it because like i don't find the 70s attire 
that appealing. But if it's Ryan Reynolds, like, yeah, I kind of get it. Like, I wouldn't, because, like, mm, not my, like, I'm not risking it for Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> like, I could see it. I could, like, understand. That's fair enough. No, definitely. I, I would be naive enough to get in Ryan Reynolds' car, especially, <laughs> like, when I was my early 20s. Like, I absolutely loved Ryan Reynolds. And if it, I, I would be probably chopped up by now, like, if that was the suit of that film. Mm-hmm. But I also think with the shrink at the end, when he kind of kidnaps her and ties her up and runs off with her, she does, he says, oh, that's the best, like, therapy I've had in, like... Ten, f- ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But she does actually say, and I don't know yet again if it is his own thoughts, like, you don't have to act on every thought that you've got. Yeah, yeah, I do like that bit, yeah. And you can, you're not alone. And I think that is why he keeps all of them in containers. It's more like a, people are with me, I'm not isolated, I'm not vulnerable. I've got, even though I've chopped these bodies up, he still sees them as alive, doesn't he? I think that's, I think that's a good point too, because how we talked about a little bit earlier of, when he's when the other stuff when he's in the other room it's more like he's misinterpreting it but now because he she's in a um a compromised situation she's telling the stuff he wants to hear Mm -hmm. so that's why to him it's the best therapy he's had well and on top of that like we were talking about how like she from a therapist point of view is like doing a lot of things not the best method right so like yes kidnapping your psychotherapist is not a good answer but like she's finally out from behind a desk she's finally give like telling him reasons and like trying to get it to make sense to him in his own language and so like yeah this is probably is the best therapy he's had in decades mm. unfortunately you know like it's you, a, you, a little you, too late a little bit too late and also like don't kidnap your therapist but like yeah. <laughs> like this is probably like like I like oh. I said earlier, like he doesn't need a girlfriend; he needs a better therapist. <laughs> I I kind of feel like when Ryan does like obviously there's a gas leak and the bowling alley kind of explodes and yeah. clearly he dies. I'm assuming the equivalent is his pets do run out and that's where the passing is technically in Ryan's head because any animal, if there's a fire, it's probably going to run away from it. So I I feel like the pets are still alive probably in my head. Yeah, well, don't the police say like, "Hey, we found two pets. Like, just take them." So, like, it kind of is implied that like they're they've like been removed. Bosco escapes, and they say they find Bosco wandering the road. Yeah, so definitely Bosco's alive, and I would almost guarantee like this like hoop like overly friendly cat has been like scooped up. Especially if it's a small town, they're not waiting for like the correct protocol. One of them has like picked up the cat and put it in the police car. Definitely. But it's still a little bit bittersweet yeah. for, for Jerry's character. Like, you can see he wants to escape and wants to kind of live his life in his little world that he's in. Mm-hmm. And he's always fighting the good and the bad. But at the same time, he all he wanted was love. And he even died not really having that aspect for it. I know he's a murderer, mm-hmm. but you actually do feel somewhat remorseful towards him because of how shitty everything has been that's impacted his life. To that point, to yeah. that point, it's like when we watched the Joker, and I shouldn't really condone the Joker, but yet again, it was you actually felt like, yeah, I actually get why like, he's like that. Why he turned the way he did, mm-hmm. and society just kind of brought him down to the ground and everything. And, and you kind of then condone what he's yeah. done yeah. in a little way, which is weird because you're like, I should never be kind of saying, yeah, you should murder somebody, but at the same time, the way that he'd been beaten down so much, it was like, I kind of get why you've put that barrier uh-huh. up and you are the way yeah. you are. Yeah. 
And I think with Jerry's character, you kind of understand why he is that way. But at the same time, all he wanted is to be loved and he still dies alone. Yeah, but he gets everything at the end. Yeah. I also think it's really interesting to see how like his mother's deeply ingrained faith impacts him. Because mm-hmm. like he definitely knows that he's supposed to like pray at night but he only knows the lord's prayer like a modified children's version of the lord's Mm. prayer and then like in the very end like he briefly like asks the therapist like hey do you believe in jesus i definitely believe in jesus and it's like do you though you don't seem to be following any of these teachings here and then at the very end it's not his mom that comes and hangs out with him and his like idea of heaven it's a very strange portrayal of yeah. Jesus that probably looks like a like one of those like framed Catholic pictures yeah. of Jesus with the yeah. crown of yeah. thorns that his mom probably had in the house when he was mm-hmm. little. Because like he probably didn't get to go to church a whole lot, especially with his dad being the yeah. way he is, and like his mom clearly didn't want to leave the house because she was afraid that like people would find out about them. So like it's just really strange that like he connected more with this fake like interpretation of his mom's idea of what jesus is Mm. and like held that to such a high regard that like instead of imagining his own mom coming and dancing with him he's like nope i choose weird white (laughs) jesus yeah well i think as well it goes with the cabin where they used to live in like that woodland area everything is isolated everything is alone he Mm -hmm. didn't have many friends when he grew up either and there was Mm -hmm. i think a line where he says to lisa that the stars were his friends. friends And he used to look out that window and survey trees and nature. Yeah, he felt trapped. So it's like he had to stick his head out the window and look up to have some escapism from Mm. the reality of being alone. It's really clever how it ends with, like, kind of like that. You clearly know he's died, but then this comical version of heaven. Or purgatory, maybe. I don't (laughs) know. Maybe. Yeah, because it's all just white and black. Yeah. yeah. Purgatory for everyone else, heaven for him. Yeah. 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 I, I love that he's like definitely stuck in this child mentality too because like the outfits he chooses to imagine these like ladies in to be with him are like the ugliest 60s 70s sort of like and like they're clearly not from someone who like wore outfits during that time it's clearly of someone who like watched a little bit of mtv when they were a kid or like they saw like pictures or like they watched austin powers and like that's their idea of that time like they didn't really live it and so he's just like, yeah, no, I think that looks good. Mm-hmm. Let me just put all these ladies in the ugliest outfits humanly possible. And the song is childlike. Sing, and I was singing that. That that is catchy. It's kind of like an earworm where it just gets stuck in your head. They uh-huh. sing a happy song. Yeah, and it's maybe like a, a coping mechanism. Actually, before he dies, he's trying yeah, to calm himself down. Yeah, passing on there maybe. Yeah. Because I watched this with my husband, who used to be a music teacher and comes from a long family of like music nerds and music teachers, we were sitting there listening to it, and he's like, "This this song is bad. Like from a writing standpoint, it's bad. He's like, it's it's overly repetitive and not in like the like modern pop way where it's like meant for you to like like to act the vocals as like a backbeat or anything. It's like no, you're supposed to be singing the vocals, but like it's so that you can quickly learn it, like a kid's song. Yeah. We're yes. like." like wheels on the bus go round and round yeah. sort of level of like it only takes you one listen and you know the whole song yeah, yeah. and there's not a lot of like complicated instrumentals there's not a lot of like solos involved it's like all very homogenous and like because it's all homogenous and like like kindergarten level learning like it's boring from an adult mm. standpoint 
And so he was like, we, cause like I make, I make him watch the whole credits to the end just in case. <laughs> and he's sitting here like, Christine, this is killing me. This is the worst. This is my idea of hell. And I was like, this is this man's idea of heaven. Yeah. This man loves this happy song so much that he wants to listen to it for all eternity. Yeah. Yeah. They made a screamo version. It'd be even worse hell for him. Yes. Well, no, I think that would have probably been better for him. <laughs> that would have at least been interesting. But like, it kind of remind me of like the Lego movie where like they only have the one song mm. and it's the whole point of the song is to be happy. But the difference there, I think, is like there's variations on that song and there's like different parts coming together to like Lego style work as a whole and like show that like, oh, you can like do different things with it. This one, there's like, just the ryan reynolds like like it's so like main centric of like the main singer and like that's kind of it Mm. and it kind of like reflects his like world of like the whole world revolves around him but not in this like cruel selfish way it's just like he can't con like he can't conceptualize other people's point of view Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he's just solely focused on those important characters obviously like i know his dad's there for some reason in this heaven of his but um maybe it's just to try and reconciliate with the fact of like you know what happened in the past but everyone else is there like and they're all just singing and dance doing a conga line like he wanted at the, the beginning of the film so uh yeah right i think well we'll go to the the scoring now if if we're all yeah for that yeah so we do it from one being the lowest Best. 10 being the highest, highest. you can do point fives or, or point, whatever point whatever i think you have a point seven three, three, or three quarters like or something but like that yeah. if you want to be that precise yeah. so <laughs> do you want to do it collectively or do you want to do individual ones i think individual just because chris and i don't re- really use a rating system like that yeah. and also um, my tolerance for a bad movie is much higher than his <laughs> Well, and also like my I, my star system's more based off what I recommend a movie compared to like or like is it a hundred percent if you love movies you need to see this or yeah yeah because like my my range of like favorite movies is in like the five and a half six range that I would rate but yeah and like my favorite movie of all time is like arguably like a four <laughs> okay this is interesting. <laughs> So our, our our scaling system skewed. It is skewed, but like it's skewed in really like this is what I like. I understand that this is not for everyone though. Yeah, no. which we've had to come to reconciliation with the horror genre as like we were like, hey friends, you should all watch these, <laughs> and we immediately went, we should have told them what this was about. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I think with our scholars, it's biased as well, isn't it? A little bit sometimes. Yeah, it can be. So if it's nostalgic, we might decide to lean mm-hmm. forward and give it an extra point, even though actually. If you were looking at it from a critic point of view, you'd mm-hmm. probably not give it as, as a high score. Mm-hmm. So like Jumanji, we watched that um, for a birthday special of mine. And I think I scored that quite highly, mm-hmm. even though looking at it, like the graphics now and the beige, yeah, the, but the CGI, still but it's, it's still a, like a, a nostalgic feel to it. But yeah. 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 But honestly, like I think when I'm looking to find a new movie, like that's what I look for is like, I don't look at the critics review. I want to know what my friends think about it. I know what my coworkers mm-hmm. think about it, and I want to know what that angry man on Google says about it. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who, yeah. who wants to go first? Chris, you want to go first? Sure. For me, this is like an 8.5 to 9 movie. I really liked it. I thought the timing and pacing was really good. I thought the story was really clever, and the writing was really funny. I think the only reason it's not like a little bit higher for me is just because like there's not a whole lot extra to digest about this movie. Like, 
it's a fun one, especially if you have friends like this to talk about it. But unfortunately, it's not a super popular one yet. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I personally give it a 6.5-ish range. Uh, it depends on who I'm talking to. It For me, I think it's definitely knowing what you're getting into. If you're getting into it for a Ryan Reynolds movie, it's not going to be that. <laughs> do I think everyone should watch it? Not necessarily. But I do find it entertaining. It's it, it's an interesting take on the serial killer genre. It's yeah. very stylized. There's a lot to like about this movie. But does it push it over into like everyone should go and yeah. see this movie like Psycho? No, it's not to that level. No, but I think if you're like a gore horror fan, like this is a really good one to check out. Yeah. Yeah, there's worse things you can you can check out. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or you just don't yeah. in Sophie's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um I'll give it a I think I'll go I think this six point five. I think for this the point five is more for the stylistic. You surprised me. On on that point. That's quite low for you. I was thinking higher. You've actually <laughs> shocked me there. Because yeah. actually what I had in my head was, was different. It was, it was going to be higher than yours. And I'm like, well, I can't do that now. So now I have to reevaluate. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I think for, for what it is, it's it's kind of fun in a, in a, in a twisted way. Uh, I do like my black comedies, but normally with my, I suppose more like British ones that I kind of like adhere more, more to really for that kind of my level of humor. But the, I, I do think it's kind of like a, a mild recommendation for people to check out, but so there could be a lot worse for uh, the content that's involved with it, and it's not—it's not like overly silly or anything like that. Then there's, there's a couple of things that do bug me about it, really. But uh, for example, I'd, I'd like say like the the British like ah uh, okay yeah 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 uh, God slogan, save the Queen or all the slogans and stuff. I think that's just really, yeah, but is that because we are British? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that what it Full is? Representation of us, <laughs> maybe. But otherwise, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of nice. It's kind of good. Right, so forgotten it. God, you put me under pressure now. <laughs> so she gave it an eight eight point five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So initially when I first watched it, this would have been like a two. Like mm-hmm. it would have been really low because I only got half an hour through it. And to be fair, I think it's like it's one of those where the first killing is the is the worst. As it goes along, it's it's not as horrific or gory, really. And now me watching it and watching like Silence of the Lambs, this is quite mild and tamed. It's not, you know, it, we have worse films out there that we mm-hmm. can kind of watch. And I think for you, that's why you've scored it lower because you do like the gory, gruesome films. That and I think this isn't on that level for you. And I think that's probably why you scored it lower. I feel like if somebody's trying to take a step into this kind of genre mm-hmm. yeah. it's a good one to break into a little bit it's got your little mm-hmm. bit of a mind kind of psychotic scare but it's still got your humor it's mild but still a little bit gory at the same time whereas we've got like for example when we've watched certain other films like even like shutter island it's one of those trippy mind ones where after a bit you're still going through it several different scenarios of how that actually ends and still now I could go down that rabbit hole whereas this is kind of you can think about it but it's not too much too over think yeah, about it's not and dry yeah. and some cu- couple of little easter egg hunts where you can kind of figure things out and kind of go oh yeah actually this is a dream state or not but it is pretty much kind of straight forward mm-hmm. I enjoy mm-hmm. from Ryan's perspective I think he's a brilliant actor I think he does 
fantastic with every piece of thing he actually touches apart from what was that one that we watched free free guy we didn't, free guy. We didn't, we didn't finish, finish that, that. I haven't seen that one yet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we didn't so it might be interesting to look at that now on the perspective of like you we we're covering this one mm. and then like see but then it might be like no we can't cope with it we'll have to see i don't know if i'm going to regret this or not all right but i'm going to score it a 7 Okay. So just so I already had that in my head, and then yeah. you did six point five, and I was like, "Really?" I was assuming is it, you were going to Ryan go Reynolds. That's that it... way. <laughs> it's the right. It's the. I think Ryan fact. Reynolds a, a little bit, but it's more the actual acting. And for me, I don't want it as gruesome as you. Mm-hmm. So this actually works for me, and I think I'm glad that I rewatched it. Probably, I feel like it'll have been ten years on now from when near, I near enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, your taste and what you've kind of watched does change as you get oh, older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The younger Sophie hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel that because I was, uh, when I started uh, digitalizing my movie backlog, I looked at like, I, I stopped at 2019 because I started looking back at like some of the earlier ones. And I'm like, I gave that a 10 out of 10. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. I also think our taste and like appreciation for what an actor can do changes too. Cause like you said, like, Ryan Reynolds used to be very much like the love interest movies only. And like, he was really good in those, but I think now that we've seen him act in like these Mm -hmm. more serious or more actiony roles that are like very like over the top with his style of humor, like filtered through, I think this sort of movie comes across much more easily than it would have when I only watched him as like the goofy love interest. Cause like, yeah, that would have been like a huge, like, jump in like my idea of what he is and who he is and i think we've been exploring that a lot with nick cage because like yes when we were kids like i only really knew nick cage as like the over the top goofy actor and now like going back through his like catalog i'm like oh no he actually is a good actor i just didn't watch any of those movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> we need yeah. to kind of i think go into some nick cage films i don't think you've really seen much of his Probably uh, not filmography, so <laughs> I'm quite isolated out and sheltered with what yeah. I do see. <laughs> this is why we do this. <laughs> Nick Cage is definitely like an interesting one because, like, he definitely paves the way for like we've started like looking at other actors and directors the same way we've looked at Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. We're like, we started off as like, oh, it's kind of goofy and funny, and then like we'd get into it, and we're like, oh, like he has all this like thought and method behind it that I never would have thought of or cared about when I was like a high schooler or even early college age. Yeah. Actually kind of in the same vein as the voices, vampires kiss would be a good one to start off. with. Exactly. Where it's like, now that I know more about like how they're probably thinking and like going about it, like, yeah, it's still very Ryan Reynoldsy, but like now I'm very interested in like the writer and the director of this movie, because like clearly they had a huge impact and weight on it. And I'm very interested to see how they translate that into these other formats. Cause like, like I said, like the director's best known for a children's book, this is very different. So like, I'm very interested to see how like that styling um, translates over to her other works. Mm -hmm. Definitely a good starting off movie for the, or intro movie for that genre. Oh yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. Look into, to again, alter that smile. Yeah. Uh, So um, thank you very much for joining us on this 
episode, guys. It's been uh, really insightful, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, been yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> a lot deeper than I thought it was going to go in terms of uh, background on the film and all that kind of stuff. To be honest, on something that Learn, it, was... it, it doesn't help that uh, Chris and I like grew up on true crime. So oh my we, gosh, we, yeah. This is a subject that's been in our minds for like twenty plus years. Now. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like I'm not joking when I say I go to sleep listening to true crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, where can people find you? Just remind them again as to whereabouts you are on the socials and all that. Just pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter that we're not super active on. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, at I think most of it's it's some variation of TGTBTW underscore podcast or it's not doesn't have the underscore. Hmm. Just depends on the formatting. Um, you can find us on pretty much any streaming service. So we're we're out there <laughs> yep yeah. we try and do an episode every other week for a big one and then we've got our fun little deep dives or spotlights sprinkled in throughout yeah thank you for having us today as well it's i've been excited for this and oh. i enjoy your, listening to your guys stuff i'm actually gonna listen to the battle royale episode while i'm running errands today oh, <laughs> yeah this has been a lot of fun yeah okay so th- thank you very much for, for joining us and um we'll we'll catch up soon sounds good okay. thank you guys thank you Bye. Bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode, and a big thank you to our special guests. If you want to check out some of our other episodes, you can do so by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. And we'd really appreciate you leave us a five-star review on any of those platforms as well. A big thank you to the patrons for supporting the show, who are Mark from 100 Things You Learned From Film, Ben from Film Floggers, our friend Jones, who is at Weight Loss Jonesy on Instagram, Sophie's mum, and Nico from The Good, The Bad, and The Weird podcast. And if you would like a shout out on each of our episodes and the opportunity to vote on what we watch once a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash spfilmviewers to sign up for as little as £1 or $1.50 a month and gets you those little perks and helps grow our little community. And lastly, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok under the handle SP underscore film viewers. Once again, thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you next time.